Yeah, what's up, Ace-12? How you guys doing? Man, I'm telling you right now, that worship was amazing. I mean, was anybody moved by what God was doing during that time of worship? Man, that last song, I believe in God. I f-. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, it got me, man. It was so good. Um, tonight, before we jump into what we're going to be talking about tonight, Man, we've got, a, we've got a, a group of high school students from our student ministry. They're in Kenya right now on a missions trip. We have another group of high school students from our ministry, in our, from our ministry. They're in Haiti right now on a missions trip. And, uh, man, I just thought it would be cool because I know they're in the midst of doing ministry right now. And, and uh, man, they're living out what that song just talked about. They're, they're taking the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the hope of Jesus to people around the world. And that's, that's what God has called us to do. In Acts 1-8, the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, he said, you will receive power, talking to his disciples, talking to us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, that we are to be witnesses not only in our homes, in our schools, in our town, in our community, in our state, in our nation, but all over the world. This call has been placed on us. Go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says in Matthew 28. And so, um, and so that's what they're doing right now. So I just thought it'd be cool if we just pause real quick a moment in this service and we just said a quick little prayer for them that God would use them, work in them, keep them safe right now. So if you guys would join me in prayer. God, I just want to lift up our teams right now. They're in Kenya and in Haiti. God, I thank you so much for the willingness of those students to step up. And I, it's been awesome to see the pictures and hear the stories already of what you're you're doing. And Lord, even before they went, watching how you provided uh, finances for them to go. And I know that this week for many of those students is going to be one of the most powerful life-changing weeks of their life as missions trips have been that for me and for many others that are in this room right now. And God, I just pray that you would go before them, that you would protect them, that you would keep them safe, keep them from getting sick. And Lord, that you would, you would open up unbelievable doors for them to share your love in a powerful way. And that many people would come to know Christ while they are in country. And not only that, but that they would plant seeds that many people in the future would come to know Christ because of their efforts and what you're doing through them there. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So tonight, tonight we are starting a new series. It's called Camouflage. And I love camouflage. In fact, uh, when I think of camouflage, I think of uh, the show Duck Dynasty. Anybody think of Duck Dynasty? I think we got a picture of our Duck Dynasty guys. Oh yeah. And, and my favorite, my favorite Duck Dynasty guy is uh, of course, Cy Robertson, right? Crazy Cy. And one of my favorite quotes from Cy is this, hey, my favorite color is camo, Jack. That is my favorite quote from him. And it actually, camo is one of my favorite colors as well. Uh, when we do team competitions here as a next-gen team, we like to have a little fun sometimes on staff. And so, like, you know, all the high school and middle school and elementary school, all of our, our, our elementary school, elementary uh, K-12 here, we all get our ministry leaders together, residents, and we'll go and do competitions against each other. And so I have some people that are on, that are on the M-12 team that are on my team, and some of our H-12 team are spread out on the M-12 team. And we have, we have uh, some of our K-12 people on each of the teams and we'll play like you know four uh you know four teams and we just compete and and so and I'm always the leader of my team and so my team is always team camo and of course like half the people on my team never have camo but I have a stockpile because I like to hunt be in the woods and so I bring my camo out and I give it to everybody and, and we compete because camo is the best and I love camo because camo camo is actually um uh, camouflage is actually just a uh, a powerful effective tool that is used in nature. Predators, prey, 
They use camo to protect themselves. They use camo to feed themselves. They use this, and this is something that is an effective tool in, in their life, in their everyday life in nature, and not only in their life, but in our lives as well. And I'm going to show that to you uh, here, here in a few minutes. But, uh, but camo is important because it conceals and it disguises. It conceals and it disguises. It makes what is seen unseen. And it can be effective in something like a paintball game. When I was in college, I worked at this youth camp, and, and, uh, and so during the week, we would have campers in all summer long, and then on the weekends, a lot of the staff would go out of town or whatever, but I always had to be there on the weekend because I was one of the directors, and some of the staff would stay around, and we had, we had like, you know, 50 paintball guns and all this gear and equipment, and so some of us as a staff would go out, and we would play. Now, there was this guy on staff, and he was annoying as all get out. Anybody know an annoying person in your life right now? This guy was annoying. And the reason he was annoying is because he thought he was better than everybody else. You know somebody like that? They just think they're better than everybody else. And so one day, we're hanging out, and, uh, and, and he challenges me on the weekend. He challenges me to a game of one-on-one paintball. And I said, I will accept your challenge under one condition. And that is, that is, we play the give up game. Now, this is the give up game. The give up game is that if you get hit with a paintball gun, you are not out. When you give up, you are out. So if you get hit 50 times and you don't give up, you are not out. And so we're going we're gonna to play the give up game. He's like, all right, deal. So the next day, he shows up at the field. We had this massive field, and then beside the field was this massive stretch of woods, and the kids played on these paintball courses, but we played in the woods, and it was this big stretch of woods, and so I was going to start on one end. He was going to start on the other end. We were going to meet in the middle, and we were going to play the give-up game. So I show up in a white T-shirt and khaki shorts. He shows up decked out like that dude on that, that camouflage video there, head to toe, camo. He's all painted up, all this kind of stuff. And he comes walking up. He's like, dude, what are you doing? I said, bro, I'm playing paintball, man. I'm like, I don't need all that sissy gear to beat you. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, but dude, you're going to wear a T-shirt. I said, yeah, I'm going to wear a T-shirt. You're not going to wear a T-shirt? All right, I'll wear a T-shirt. So he, he, ta- he takes his uh, shirt off, and he's got, like, a T-shirt on underneath. And he's like, all right, you ready to play? I'm like, yeah. So here's the deal. I've got one of those little, like, air horn things, you know. And, uh, and so I'm like, I'm going to blow it whenever it's time for us to go. Well, what I didn't tell him was is that earlier in the day, I snuck in the woods, and I, I had a ghillie suit, and I hid my ghillie suit, camo ghillie suit, in the woods. So he takes off to his corner. I run to my corner. I throw on the ghillie suit real quick. I'm decked out, camo, head to toe. He's looking for a white T-shirt, right? And, uh, and, so, and, so, and so I blew the horn, and I sprinted through the woods as fast as I could to get to the midway point, and I laid down beside this log. And I'm just concealed, and he, and, and, and he comes walking through, and he's like, he's like all like hunched over like this, and he's like looking around, and, 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 I, and he walks right past me. And once he gets about 10 feet past me, I jump up, and I light him up right in his back. I'm like, ba 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 and I start lighting him up, and he starts going, I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit. <laughs> Victory. <laughs> Victory was mine, you little punk. <laughs> yes. A little trickery going on there. But camo is a powerful tool and effective in paintball. And, and like I mentioned to you earlier, it's used in nature as well. We see leopards using it to blend in with the background. In fact, um, even some aquatic animals use it like this one. Check this video out. Is that not crazy? Freaky? 
I mean, camouflage is an effective tool. An octopus uses camouflage as an effective tool as a hunter and uh, as well as to hide itself um, from any predator that would, that would come after it. Now, listen, I have students ask me this question all the time. As I talk to student leaders and students will set up meetings with me, and they'll say, hey, listen, man, like, I really want to grow spiritually in my life, and I want to know how I can be more effective at influencing other people. Now, let me tell you something. That is a mature question. Very few students ask that question, but I get that question from some students pretty frequently that are, that are student leaders, students that really want to grow in their relationship with God, students that really want to spiritually influence the people around them. They're not content being stagnant. They're not content being just where they're at. Um, they're, they're, they're wanting to grow. They're wanting to move forward. And, and I think that maybe what Jesus would say uh, to that, to answer that question, he would say that, um, I think he would say that maybe, um, maybe it's camouflage. Maybe how you're more effective, how you're more influential is, is maybe it's that you blend in a little more versus trying to be seen. Maybe it's more about the unseen than what is seen. I wrote it down this way. It's living in such a way where the impact of your life is seen, but the credit and attention is not demanded. Living in such a way where the impact is seen, but the credit and attention is not demanded. We live in a culture that is all about bringing attention to ourselves, right? It is all about us getting recognized. It's all about us being on the platform. It is all about us being lifted up. It is all about us getting the reward, us getting the thank you. I mean, um, I know, I know for me, um, this has been a problem that I've always had. Even as a pastor, sometimes for me, it, it is a struggle because it's like, man, like I did something really nice for this person or I sacrificed for this person and it got overlooked. And oftentimes in ministry, we can even do ministry with the right motives and in the right heart thinking that that's the way, but actually behind it is the wrong motives and the, and the wrong heart behind it. And I think that everyone, because we want to be on the platform, Satan knows that. I think it's one of the tools that he uses to tempt us. In fact, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and as you open there, as we get into this uh, second series on the Sermon on the Mount, if, you'll, if, if you look back at Matthew chapter 4, you see Satan tempting Jesus. And he tempts him in three different ways. And the last way that he tempts Jesus, the third way that he tempts him is, the Bible says that he takes him up on this high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor, all their majesty, and he tells him all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me the last temptation in my opinion the biggest temptation Satan would have saved the biggest temptation that he had until last was for Jesus to bow down and worship him and the reward would have been that he would be able to he would be able to be the king and the leader of all the world that he would be able he would be able to get all the attention that he would be able to get all the recognition if he would just bow down and worship Satan and I believe that in our culture that is exactly how Satan tempts us now and then when you get to Matthew chapter 5 we've just been talking about over these last couple weeks is Jesus is addressing the disciples as crowds eavesdropping in on the conversation and Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5 listen don't miss the point some of you guys have misunderstood what Moses said back in uh, back in the law and you've interpreted it this way but I tell you this and and he says listen there's a higher standard under grace than there was under the law and then Jesus steps up and he says listen you guys you I want you guys to get that this is all about love it is all about loving God it's all about love others. And then you get to chapter six. And in chapter six, Jesus says, listen, your motives matter to God. Your motives matter. 
That this whole series is wrapped up in this idea that your motives matter. And if you got your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 6. We just read uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 18 earlier uh, in here. And I, wanna, I, want to, um, I want to read Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 18 again. And, uh, and I may skip through a couple verses, um, but I want to read it again. And I want you just to listen to what he's talking about here when he's talking about your reward in heaven, the seen and the unseen. Check this out. Verse one, he says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. And so he says this, and then he gives three different ways in which people have practiced their righteousness in order to be seen by others, in order to get credit for their spiritual acts. The first one is giving. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets and as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. In other words, they're giving to the needy and they're doing it in front of everyone. So everyone would be like, look how spiritual they are. Look how amazing they are. Look how godly they are. So when you give to to the needy, do not announce with trumpets that hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street corners to be honored by others. But truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Then he goes on and he, talk, he moves from giving to prayer. And he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because there are many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows even what you need before you ask them. This is how you should pray. And he gives, and he gives um, uh, you know, the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to be talking about here in the next couple of weeks. Jump down to verse 14. He says this. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 15, he says, uh, well, we'll jump to 16. He says, and when you fast, the third thing he talk goes to, and when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. What would happen is the religious people would go around fasting, and they would just like walk around like, like this, and, and, and people would be like, man, what's wrong? Oh, I'm fasting. And, and he says, look, listen, don't do that. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to, to, put, I want you to put oil on your head. I want you to wash your face. I want you just to, to act like, like you're normal. Like don't let other people know because your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And we see this idea uh, here in scripture that, that, it is important, uh, that it is important for us to have the right motives. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down in your notes. Um, uh, there's one thing I want you to know, one thing I want you to do tonight. Here's the one thing I want you to know. The world rewards, the world rewards with what is done in public, and God rewards what is done in secret. The core of this crux of this passage is that, is that the world rewards with what is done in public, and God rewards with what is done in secret. And at the core of what Jesus is talking about here is motives. See, here's the truth. You can have the right motives and do the wrong things. You can have the right motives and do the wrong things. Like when I was a little kid, my dog was hungry. And I knew my dog was hungry because he was coming around the table and I was eating and I was like a little kid and, uh, and I wanted to feed my dog and, and, uh, and so I had some chocolate on the table. And I started feeding my dog chocolate. 
Now, I did not know that you're not supposed to feed dogs chocolate, that, that chocolate can kill your dog. Now, the motives were pure. The motives were right. I had the right motives. I was just doing the wrong things. I'm sitting there, just feeding my dog chocolate, and he's just pounding it. You know what I'm saying? He loves it. And he's eating a time, and he died. And it was awful. Um, I'm just kidding. He didn't die. <laughs> he didn't die. <laughs> I had you there for a minute. He didn't die. But, uh, but you, can do, you, can do things, you can do things with the right motives, and they'd be the wrong things. Also, you can have the wrong motives and do the right things. You can have the wrong motives and do the right things, and that's what Jesus is addressing here. The three most significant uh, 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 forms and symbols of religious devotion to the Jewish uh, spiritual leaders of this day were giving, prayer, and fasting. And Jesus comes to them and he says, listen, you're out here giving, praying, and fasting, and you think everything's good with you and God because these are right things. These are things that you should do. The problem is, is that your motives aren't out of love. You're not giving to the poor because you love the poor. You're not giving to the poor because of what God's done in your life and you want to sacrifice and give to them. You're not, you're not praying because you love me. You're not, you're not fasting because you want to grow and because you're, you're trying to deny the flesh and yield to the spirit. You're not doing it. The reason you're doing it is because you want other people to see you and see how spiritual you are. You want to get rewards from them. You want to get the credit. And your motives are impure. Now, I want to make sure that we have, uh, that I draw the lines, I give you the distinction here between the unseen and seen of what Jesus is talking about and, and, uh, and uh, you know, doing things out in public with the wrong motives and public obedience. Because this is not what I'm saying. What I'm not saying is that if you go and you pray with someone in public or if you do something kind for someone in public, that that's disobedient to God because you should do it in secret. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is talking about motives here. He's, what is the motives behind your heart by the reason you want to give to someone or because you want to pray for someone? That's what he's talking about. There's Christians that think, man, I can't pray out in public. I don't think we should pray in church. I don't think, because Jesus says, go into your room and close the door. That is not the context of what he's saying. And so I think this is important for us to get, important distinction for us to have. We should still be publicly obedient. Jesus did ministry all over the place in public to be seen by others. Crowds by the thousands followed him and saw the works that he did. But his motives were pure. His motives were were right. And that's what he's addressing here in this passage. Jesus shows that even right things can be done in the wrong motives. And I think that kind of the core of what I want to talk to you about tonight in this conversation is, man, I want us to have a motives check. Sometimes we just need to have a motives checkup. So let's check our motives tonight. Do you only do the things that you do in order to get credit? Like if you know you're not going to get credit for it, or if you know you're not going to get a thank you for it, does that automatically disqualify from you from doing it? Like I remember several years ago, I was opening the door for someone, and I just grew up in the South. My parents told me to open doors for people. So if I see, I would always open the door, and I opened the door, and, and this person walked through. Uh, it was actually two people, and they did not say thank you. Now, up to this point in my life, every time I held the door for someone and they walked through the door and they did not say thank you, this is what I would say. Hey, you're welcome. Right? I would say that every time. 
So these two people walk through the door and I got the door open and they get like three or four steps through the door and I recognize that they are not gonna say thank you. And I was not happy about it. And I went to do my regular routine of saying you're welcome to them when like God checked me in my spirit. And he said, and, and, and at that moment I was like, he was like, you better not say it. And I was like, mm, okay. And here's the deal. What I realized is, is that I was holding the door to get a compliment, to get a thank you, to get praise from man. I wasn't holding the door because I cared and loved people. I wasn't holding the door because I wanted to be kind to others. I was holding the door so that someone would recognize me. So they would smile at me and say thank you, and so I'd smile back and say thank you. Man, we do things all the time with the wrong motives, and sometimes we don't even realize it because we're doing the right things. We're just doing them with the wrong motives in our heart. We're serving and we're, we're, we're serving somewhere. We're serving some people and we take pictures of it. We post it all over social media so that people can like it, so that people can be like, man, look how spiritual that person is. Look how godly that person is. I'm not saying that's your motives every time doing that. I'm just saying, what are your motives? Where is the motives checkup in your life? What about in worship? What about in how we express ourselves in worship? I remember when I was in uh, high school, I was a brand new Christian. There was this girl that was at church that I really liked that I started going to, and, uh, and she was cute. And, uh, and, and so during the worship time, I would raise my hands, like close my eyes, all this kind of stuff. I'd get close to her. I'd get in front of her so that she could see me because I wanted her to be impressed with who I was as a Christian. Now, don't look at me like I'm crazy. Because, dude, that is a real deal, man. That was a real deal for me. And, and God had to check me on that because I was expressing myself in worship so that the people around me would think certain things about me. It wasn't because I was so caught up and lost in who God was and his love for me that it was just exploding out of my heart. It was because I cared about what the people thought around me. Even in how we express our worship at times can have the wrong motives behind it. In fact, I was at a conference one time. This was, um, this was uh, in my first church I was at. I've been a youth pastor for like two years. And I went to this conference. And uh, there's like 8,000 people at this conference. I had taken students there. And I was, sit, I was kind of back in the seats. But all the students were packed down front, you know. And they're like jumping up and down, going crazy during the worship set. And I'll never forget it. The worship leader is this guy named Micah Kephart. He actually led worship for us a couple years ago uh, at our camp. And uh, Micah Kephart was leading worship. And the crowd was going crazy. I mean, dude, they were leading worship there. Kid, like people were crowd surfing. People were going nuts. I mean, it was insane. Jumping up and down. I mean, it was the most intense room I'd ever been in. And they went from one like kind of hype song, transitioning into this song called Not To Us. And the song goes, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And he starts singing that song. And as he's singing that song, mosh pit is going on, kids are crowd surfing, like it is pandemonium. I have never seen this in all of my years being a pastor, a worship leader stop a song right in the middle of it, especially at a conference with like 8,000 people at it. We're like two lines, three lines into the song, people are going crazy, and Micah Kephart goes, stop, 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 stop. The band stops, comes to a stop. 
Everybody in the room's like, man, what's up, man? You, you messed up our party. And Micah said, do you know the words that we're singing? Not to us, but to your name be the glory. I find it hard to believe that we could be in a room saying that it's not about us, that it is about your glory when everything in this room is pulling all the attention on us and we are getting all the glory in it. And I'm sitting back there in my seat like, woo, smoke. Bro, I'm telling you right now, it changed the intensity of that conference. It changed it. Because one person said, hey, let's check our motives. Let's check our motives on why we're doing what we're doing. And listen, we don't have to just limit this to worship and, and, and opening doors for people and being kind and serving people. This can be in any area of our life when we are doing things. What are the motives behind why we do it? And we cannot pretend like this is easy. This is not easy. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. We all struggle with it. There are very few things that are private anymore in this world that we live in. Because we live in a world that puts everything out there. And it is so easy for us to project our spiritual lives in a way in order for other people to look at us and bring all the attention back on ourselves. And that goes back to what you wrote down in your notes a minute ago, what you need to know. That the world rewards with what is done in public. The world rewards with what is done in the scene. Is that not true? The world tells you that you are only valued if you are seen. So we pursue getting noticed, getting recognized, being attractive, being the best at whatever sport or whatever hobby that you have so people will recognize us, so people will praise us, so people will put us on the throne. The world cries out, you have to perform for people. If you don't put it out there for them, then they will never see how awesome you really are. And we want people to know that we're awesome. So this is what we do. Because we want people to know that and because we put everything out there, we begin to compromise in our faith. We compromise in our relationship with our parents. We compromise in relationships with friends. We compromise in relationships with boyfriends and girlfriends. We begin to compromise these things in our life in order for ourselves to be seen, in order for ourselves to be put on, on a pedestal. And this doesn't just happen in, in, our, in our own little worlds, uh, uh, but it also happens in our spiritual lives as well. And that's what Jesus is addressing here. I wrote this down and I want to read this to you because I wrote it better than I could say it. Listen, students. If our aim is to gain reward from the world, then we will get it. But remember, the world rewards with the things of the world. Sometimes we see people who get rewarded, get rich, get famous, get whatever the blank may be. And we think, why is God blessing them and not me? They are scandalous, they are sinful, and they are getting rewarded. Maybe they are being rewarded by the world for being worldly. Maybe our definition of what blessing looks like should be revisited. We live in a world that has confused worldly reward with godly blessing and godly reward. The world also rewards with more of the world, so then that makes it more difficult for us to break free from the temptations because it keeps rewarding us with more and more of what we want. 
And this is what's interesting. If you read through this passage, he says it in the giving part, he says it in the prayer part, and he says it in the, in the, in the uh, fasting part. He says, and they have received their reward in full. When you go and you look at the Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, and you look at the context of this passage, this is what he's saying. What he's saying is, is that, that the language is transactional. The language is like uh, you do a service for someone and they pay you back for it. They reimburse you for it. And so this is literally what he's saying. What he's saying is, is, that, is that when you do, you have the wrong motives and you do this for your own benefit, then you receive your reward from other people. So you do this, you receive your reward. You do this, you receive your reward. It's a transactional situation. And he says, but listen, what you do in the unseen, when you switch that around, he says, what happens is, is that when you see us, he says, he says, your your father rewards those things that are unseen. God, God sees that. And what happens is, is that no longer is it this transactional thing, but it is this, this continuously transformational thing that happens in us. That's the difference. And see, this is what happens. What happens is, is that we see someone, a student or one of our friends that has great faith. And we man, I wish I had faith like them. Man, I wish I, could, I wish I had the boldness that they had. Man, I wish I had the passion that they had for God. Man, things would be so much easier if I was just them. And that is just not true. In fact, you have access to the same power of God that they have access to. The difference is you have to lay down your life and you have to lay down this idea of putting yourself on the platform in order to receive what God would have for you, that fullness, that full life that he has for you in Christ. And that's what he's saying here. Listen, it's not this transactional thing that takes place, which is what the world gives you, but it's this continuous transformational thing that never stops, that is overflowing, that fills you all the time, that gives you joy, that gives you peace, that gives you these things in your life. So God rewards what is done in secret. In the book Love Does by Bob Goff, he says this, in a world driven by self-promotion and spin, Jesus modeled something different for us. Jesus was saying that instead of telling people about what we're doing all the time, there's a better way. Maybe Jesus wants us to be secretly incredible instead. That was his plan for self-promotion. Secretly incredible people keep what they do, one of God's best kept secrets, because the one who needs to know, the God of the universe, already knows. So here's what I want you to do. Be secretly incredible. Be secretly incredible. What does it look like to be secretly incredible? I want to show you a quick little video of, uh, of uh, reverse pickpocketing. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but check this quick little video out. It's pretty funny. Is that not good? Now, listen, that's cool, but it would even be more cool if one of you guys got reverse pickpocketed tonight. And uh, there's two of you that got reverse pickpocketed tonight with uh, $15 gift cards to Starbucks. So uh, you may want to check your, your purse, your, uh, your pocket, your, uh, your hood and your hoodie, your, your whatever. And uh, you can do that later because uh, it might take you a while. But anyways, but just if you got it, um, that, that'll be for you. But here's the interesting thing about this video. When I was watching this video, I thought, man, man, what a, I thought, what a kind thing to do for people. But notice what he did. Every time that he did it, one, he's videoing himself, and then he puts it on YouTube so everybody can see it. But he tells them what he did every time. You see what I'm saying? 
He wasn't doing it just out of the kindness of his heart, but he wanted to receive the praise for it. He wanted to get the hug from the girl. I don't blame him, but that's what he was wanting to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, and so that, that, is, that is where Jesus is saying here, hey, how about what if we did something like that, but we did it a little different. Instead of us getting the praise for it, what if we just did it just to do it? And he gives, us some, he gives us some thoughts on this. In Matthew 6, verse 3 and 4, he says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is a proverb, an old proverb during this time. And, and the whole idea behind this was is that it would be done in secret, that you would do this to, for other people and, and no one would know about it. You would, your right hand wouldn't even know what your left hand is doing because you're doing it with the right motives. You jump down to verse 6 in chapter 6, he says, And but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. This idea of, of doing things unseen. He goes down in verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they just figure their face to be seen by others when they fast. And this is what I was thinking about. I was thinking, man, what if H12, what if H12 decided that this summer we would be secretly incredible? That we would say, you know what, I'm going to selflessly serve and sacrifice for the people around me in my life and I'm going to do it without getting recognition, without getting credit, without them even knowing about it. I'm going to do it where I'm not, I'm not going to do it and post it on social media. I'm not going to do it so, to be seen by others. I'm not going to tell my friends about it. I'm not going to tell anyone about it. It's just going to be between me and God. I'm going to love on people. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And I'm going to do these things in such a way that it's going to be for my benefit. And I promise you, listen, if you do that, it will change your life. It will change your life. I made a commitment years ago, as, a, as early on in my Christian walk with God, that I wanted to be a person who was secretly incredible for other people. I don't want to be known. I don't want to be recognized. I don't care if anyone ever knows my name. I just want to see people come to Christ. I want to see people changed by God's love and by God's grace. And so I try to do little things for people here and there. Nobody knows about it. Often, most of the time, my wife doesn't know about it. No, nobody knows about it. It's between me and God. It's just, it's just out of my heart. It's not because of any credit that I want to give to somebody else. You know, sometimes it's just being at a restaurant and, and seeing a, a waitress and who, who you can tell is young and, and maybe young in a marriage. Maybe she's not married and she doesn't have a ring on her finger. And I'm like, man, that's gonna, she's going to have a difficult life. And just, you know, having someone else say, hey, listen, after I leave, I don't want her to know who I was or any of that kind of stuff. Would you mind giving her, you know, this $100 or whatever it happens to be just to, just to support her, just to let her know that, that, that people love her. And, and I want to share the love of Christ in those ways. Listen, I want to challenge you to do that. So this is my challenge for you for the, for the rest of the month of June. And I think that if you do it for the month of June, we'll do baby steps, do the month of June. I think it will carry on through the summer and carry on through your life. But here's my challenge. I want you to write this down to remind yourself. I want to challenge you to do one thing a week for the month of June, for the next four weeks, one thing a week throughout this rest of the series, Camouflage, that is secretly incredible. Now, in order for it to be incredible, it has to be a little bit above and beyond. It has to be selfish. It has to be sacrificial. It has to be above and beyond in some way. It can't just be like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like, give this person like a nickel and you know, slip them a nickel. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm incredible. No, no, that's not what it's about. And obviously, this is between you and God. I'm not telling you what to do, and I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Maybe it's serving your parents in some way. Maybe it's serving a friend in some way. Maybe it's serving some random stranger in some way. But you're going to do it in such a way where, where it is just out of, the, out of your heart. It's out of who you are, not about out of what you're going to get out of it. And so I'm going to have the band come back up, and they're going to close this out tonight. And this is what I want you to do. I want you just to spend some time with God right now in this last song, and I want you to have just a little bit of a motives check, a motives checkup. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to get your motives right. And I want to challenge you and encourage you during this time to make a commitment, maybe even be praying and asking God for opening up, to open up doors and opportunities for you to serve people selflessly and sacrificially over this next month. Because I'm telling you, this is what Jesus did. This is what he, he showed his disciples and taught them to do. And man, the church exploded. When you read through the book of Acts, you see that the people were selling their farms. They were selling their land. They were selling their homes. They were selling everything. And they were giving it to the poor. And they were giving it to people. And people were coming to Christ in droves. Man, it was the church being the church. It was people loving each other selflessly and sacrificially. Not so they can get credit for it but because they love people and they love God. Man, I hope that that is the ministry that we are and that we become. So God, I just want to pray over these students, these adults tonight for myself. I know that there's always a temptation for us to put ourselves on the platform. There's always a temptation for us to want to get credit. I know that one of the worst feelings in the world is feeling unappreciated and God in times when I feel unappreciated it's often because my motives are that I need to have praise for what I've done but God I pray that that myself that these students that these adults that are in this room that we would be able to serve you and serve others in such a way that is not about us getting a reward from the world, but God, understanding that we are receiving a reward in heaven from our heavenly Father. God, I pray that you would just be with each one of these students in this room, that you would open up opportunities for them to be secretly incredible over this next month. God, that maybe even now, right now, you're already giving them ideas. I won't ever know about it. Maybe no one would ever know about it. But you know. You know, God. And you will reward them for it. So, God, I just pray over these students. I pray that you work in their hearts. I pray that you work in their minds. I pray, Lord, that this summer would be one of the most spiritually intense and growing times of their life. And, Lord, that it would carry them in to their next year of high school in such and such a powerful way, Lord, where they would impact and influence so many people. In Jesus' name, amen.